All right. Let's go ahead and get back into Judges 6. There's going to be some overlap from last week. But I, I trust it will flow a little better and a little more efficiently. But uh, those of you who were here uh, last week, you know we had talked about the fact that a particular emphasis was on the fact that uh, Gideon was in the wine press threshing wheat and the significance of that. I'm going to start this week with his encounter with the angel of the Lord, touch on that a bit, and then we're going to finish out the chapter and, and, uh, and, we'll, and we'll call it good today. But he encounters the Lord in verse 12 of Judges chapter 6. And it reads, and I'm reading out of the New King James, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Uh, another translation, if you read it in the Amplified, uh, it translates that as you brave man. All right? So uh, obviously the Lord did not see him as doing, threshing the wheat in the wine press as an act of cowardice. He's, he's declaring not only, he's not declaring something that's not true, he's declaring a truth that is not immediately evident to us as we read the preceding verses here. All right? And so, and so, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Solid, logical question. And where are all his miracles which our father told us about? saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Notice here, God, he's looking for explanation. Okay, how is it? If you're with us, you know, if you're with me, okay, how is it that you're with us considering our current circumstance? And God's focus is on next steps going forward. He doesn't know it yet, but God has marked him out as the man who's going to lead Israel from the calamity that they're in. You know, and sometimes we can miss where God wants us to go because we're wallowing in, our, our thoughts are wallowing in the how we got here and why we're here. And we're wanting questions to help us understand and explain the situation so we can get our minds around it. And God is saying, you're in this situation, but it is not your destination. All right? I, I'm here and I'm encountering you right now because I'm speaking truth into your life. I am declaring you to be the man of God that's going to do a great thing because I am with you. It does not look by outward appearance that I'm with you, but it doesn't change the truth that I am with you. And sometimes we just have to get, we just have to get real with that truth and just say, you know what? I, I'm not let my, my, my hallelujah is going to be louder than the unbelief. There's a lot of factors I can focus my attention on and it can feed that doubt in my mind as to whether or not God's with me. But, but my Bible says that let God be true and everyone else a liar. And even if the one lying is the guy I'm looking at in the mirror, I've got to acknowledge to myself that despite what my feelings are, I, for me to speak what's contrary to God's word, I'm lying to myself right now. All right? And so what's true is what God declared to him. And he says, go in this might of yours. How, how am I mighty? Because I'm with you. I love the fact that God doesn't even address his questions. There were good questions, in my opinion. Questions we all might ask in that situation. 
So I'm not beating up on him. I'm just, I'm marveling at the working of God. And so let's go on in verse 15. So he said to him, he's still seeking understanding. Oh, my Lord, (laughs) how can I? Say, how can I? How can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely, you want to know how? Surely, I will be with you. That's really his answer. How can I do this, Lord? Well, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. You know, they come in like locusts, and they raid your land. There's so many of them. They're on camels. You can't do anything with them. They're so mighty in number. But the fact, here's the thing you've got to understand. The fact that I am with you, the might that you have in me, you're going to defeat them as though it was just one man you were going against. Think about that. You'll defeat them as though it was just one man. Then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. And I can't blame him for that. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. And I have an observation here, but I'm going to read a few more verses before I give it. Uh, let's go on to verse 19. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose up out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. You know, that's a miraculous occurrence there. Fire is just not supposed to emanate from a rock and consume stuff. But it did. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now, listen to this. Now, Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Because no man could see the face of God and live. That's what, you know, that's what he, that's what he was taught. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. To this day, it is still in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. And I was thinking about what to uh, call this message today, and that's really what it is. Jehovah Shalom, God is peace. There are some things going on in, in, in Gideon's mind and in his heart. He's unsettled about some things. He doesn't have peace about some things. Who could have peace in those kinds of trying times? When you're hiding in the wine press threshing wheat that you're supposed to be threshing on the threshing floor, times ain't good. And he really had no choice if they were going to have something to survive on. But, but the observation that I have in Gideon's conversation with and his reaction after the offering was consumed gave me some insight as to why he was chosen to lead Israel's deliverance from Midian. And what is that reason? Gideon feared the Lord. The people of Israel as whole, in general has strayed and veered away from God. There are some things he wasn't, 
you know, because they were out of practice. It was 40 years or so that they had drifted away from God. And so he remembered, notice, he remembered the stories that they told about the mightiness of God, about the deliverance of God, about all the cool stuff that God did for them in bringing them out of Egypt. He remembered the history. He remembered the testimonies of God. He did not dismiss them. And they became part of the conversation. He's trying to understand, if you're with us, it doesn't feel like you're with us. If you are, I'm not seeing it. Why? Why is this happening to us? And I can see sometimes you grow up in a, in a culture. That culture was, it should be centered around worshiping the one true God. That community should be focused on serving God. But, but, but you end up in a culture that doesn't. They have other gods. It's pagan influences. And so the people drift away. And so now you have kids growing up in this environment and in this culture that doesn't make it clear that relationship dynamic with God. You hear about what he did back in the day, but you, but because they started worshiping idols, you've not been discipled in how to walk with God. And I, I used to think, why did God, why did God choose Gideon? What, what is it about him? He said, oh, mighty man of valor, I'm with you. All those things. You know what? You don't have to be a perfect individual to serve God, okay? But you do have to fear the Lord. You do have to walk humbly with your God, right? To know that, like what I said earlier, that, that God's word is truth. Anything else is a lie. And on his word, his word is the bread of life. On his word, I will stand. On his word, I will walk. On his word, I will live. Right? And so, God approached Gideon. And, and to me, it, it just was an insight that I gained through going through these scriptures. Oh, man, this is a guy. He knew that there was something not right about the way they were living about the way that they were conducting themselves. There was something that was not right. He wanted to an understanding of this God that he heard so much about. And he was chosen because he feared the Lord. I mean, just think about it. Once the angel of the Lord's staff touched the sacrifice and it was consumed in fire. And he realized, oh my goodness, I'm talking to the Lord. I'm about to die. Not, not because he thought God was this evil entity, but he, but that, that's, I mean, he knew about the holiness of God. He knew Enough about God to know that someone like him is not supposed to be in his presence and see him face to face in his own impurity and, and, and uncleanness and so forth. You're not supposed to survive that experience. And yet, Jehovah Shalom gave him peace. Don't be afraid. This is a friendly visit. I've come here to give you purpose. I've come here to speak identity here. I've come here to give you good news. We're not going to dwell on the seven years you've just endured. Okay? Uh, I'm come here to tell you that the seven years is over. Okay? My presence here, this interaction that we're having between you and me is indication of the page being turned. Okay? The, 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 the mercies being new. Amen? God's grace is about to be bestowed on you. God's favor is on you. And God is about to deliver you from the consequences of your past sin. But I just wanted to make that observation. And, and feel free to read through those first, uh, uh, first uh, 20 or so, first 24 verses. And just... Be prayerful and ask God to see if God gives you, the Holy Spirit gives you similar insight into that. But I read that to say that 
Gideon was a young man that may not have known how to walk with the Lord, but he feared God. He had a situation with his father and others that didn't put him in the best of circumstances, but, but there was something there for God to work with. And I want you to know that there is plenty there for God to work with in you. Do not, sometimes we got we to gotta challenge our self-talk. All right? Uh, anytime you attempted to speak to yourself as, as, as a loser in some kind of way or incapable of, of doing one thing or another, you know, I want you to know you're lying to yourself. You know, maybe not technically in your own strength, you may not be able to do that. But in God, but, but because God is with you. There's nothing you can't do if God be with you, okay? And so we need to start thinking about ourselves. And, and, and when we're engaging in our self-thought, self-think, whatever you want to call that, when, when, when we're thinking of ourselves and considering ourselves, we need to consider ourselves not divorced from God in us, the hope of glory. We need to consider ourselves in light of the fact that we are in him and he is in us. Because we've been called to do great things in the name of Jesus. We have, you know, we, we have a generation whose souls are at stake that we've been called to reach. Okay? And so each and every one of us have, uh, there's a gifting, there's abilities, there's strengths that supply the body of Christ with what it needs to fulfill the purpose of God. And we need you. Every one of you. We need you. The body of Christ needs you in order to fully function at its maximum potential. And we need to perform at our maximum potential so that we can go into the gates of hell and take and set free the captive. Amen? But that, that, that's, the, that's the commission. That's the call on us. And each of us has different ways, different parts to play, but we all have a part to play. Right? And so... But there are things about us, we, 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 we focus extra attention on our shortcomings or our perceived inabilities and, and, and whatnot. That's, I guess that's human nature. We just focus on those things and we look for reasons to disqualify ourselves. When God wants us to, to, to really pursue him and allow him to speak those things that qualify us for his service, all right? Because Christ is in us, we're qualified to do what God has called us to do, right? Because we're his, because we're children of the Most High God, we're qualified to walk with God and do what he's called us to do. And we need to stop disqualifying ourselves. Gideon tried to do that here. Oh, uh, you know what? You know, my family is not very esteemed. I'm the worst one in my family. I, how can I do any of this? And God spoke what he needed to speak. He, he could have said, you can't. But that goes without saying, right? But he spoke what needed to be said. I'm with you. Stop thinking about yourself absent me. And start thinking about yourself in connection with me. It's a game changer in renewing our mind. Right? It's a game changer. Because it's not just about what we can or cannot do. It's about what God can do in and through us. And is anything too hard for God? If there were, somebody like I was wouldn't be standing here today. It is a testament to the goodness, grace, and power of God that I'm here today. Amen? I'm just speaking the truth. I won't even get into the gory details, but just, just, just trust. There's a testimony there. But we need, to, we need to think of ourselves in light of the fact that we're in Christ and he's in us. We're a new creation. Old things have become new. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, verse 25. Now it came to pass the same night 
that the Lord said to him, now here we go, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. Now think about this is his father. Isn't it interesting? His father is, is hip deep into this Baal worship culture. This is the environment in which Gideon grew up. And God called him. His father was a person of some esteem in this. All right? And God called him to, to burn it down, basically, to tear it all down. So he would have to be a brave man <laughs> in order to do what God's about to call him to do. And so he says, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar. I want you to use your daddy's bull to turn down the altar that your daddy and all the rest of them put up. And tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. Now think about this. Take your daddy's bull, use the strength of it to pull down your daddy's altar, then sacrifice that bull No, and, and cut down the wooden image as well. Use the wooden image as firewood upon which you're going to sacrifice your daddy's bull that you use to tear down the altar with. So anybody, am I the only one that that sees that God is making a statement here? So Gideon took ten men from among his service and did as the Lord has said. That's what I want. Say, say it with me. Did as the Lord had said. He did what God told him to do. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. And I, I think I over, I put too much emphasis on that word feared in the past. You know, uh, it wouldn't have taken long for everybody to figure out. He knew it wasn't going to be a great mystery for long who did this. And now, he took 10 men and he invited 10 men to help him. You got that many people doing anything, stuff's going to get out. Secrets will not be kept. It's going to get out. All right? So what was he fear, fearful of? I believe that he knew he was just being practical. It's the same mindset that had him threshing wheat in the wine press. Why go out there on the threshing floor and try to thresh wheat when you know before you're done, Midian, the Midians are going to come and just take it all away? But they'll never expect me to thresh wheat in a wine press. So if I do it here, I can actually thresh the wheat and, the, and, and my people can keep the wheat and actually benefit from it. It can be used as sustenance. So there's wisdom there. And so I think the same mindset, another reason why God called him is he's looking at this and saying, okay, if I try to do this in the day, my dad and all the other leaders and everything, they'll come out in force and they'll use the full weight of their power to prevent me from carrying out what God wants me to do. So it wasn't a, him afraid to do it. It was just he knew what was going to ensue if he did it in broad daylight. They weren't just going to let him do it then. So he did it at night. He knew there would be fallout, but it already be done. So he was willing to take the fallout. He wasn't necessarily trying to hide the fact that he did it. He just did it in the best way he thought to get the job done. I used to just think, oh, he was just, how, why is he calling him a brave man? This is a coward move here. And I, 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 I used to see it so differently. But I see the wisdom in what he did. And not once. Even though I have my own judgments of him, not once did God judge what he did. 
And uh, let's go on. And uh, verse 28, and when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. He had a full night, didn't he? So they said to one another, who's done this thing? Who took down the altar we put up and erected another in its place? Who, used, who, who sacrificed the second bull? Who cut down the wooden image? Who did all of this? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. So they inquired of it that morning and got an answer that morning. Didn't take long for him to get ratted out. He didn't do what he did in order to maintain secrecy and uh, anonymity. But so they found out the next morning who had done it. Then the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? You're pleading on his behalf. Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Well, let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. You don't want, you want my son dead? Okay, let the one who would plead for Baal be dead by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. You know, it's like, the God of Israel, if you're tearing down his altars, he doesn't need somebody to deal with that. He, he can, he's able to deal with that himself, right? So we don't have to come out here and, 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 and deal with this man on Baal's behalf. If Baal is real and Baal is that angry, let Baal do what Baal's going to do, if he can. Baal wasn't really a God. We're talking about false, worshiping false idols here. Therefore, on that day, he called him Jeroboam, saying, let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar. And the, the he he's referring to is, is Gideon. And I want to keep it moving here. Then all the Midianites and Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord, say the Spirit of the Lord, came upon Gideon. Hallelujah. You know, God called him to this. And in, and, and, and in that moment of crisis, in that moment of confrontation, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. All right? Notice, these people are, they are upset. They are gathering together, and they're not, trying, they're not gathering together to sing Kumbaya. So they've crossed over and they've encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet. And the Abizrites gathered behind him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali. And they came up to meet them. In other words, so see, sometimes you can look at the surface of things and look at a culture and you can develop a mental image of it that is not entirely true. Was there bell worship going on? Yes, there was. But notice, there, God will always have for himself a remnant. There are always those who will stand for God and walk with God. And it may not, they may not be readily apparent when you just take a cursory look about and you're looking at the state of affairs and things, it may look like everything is flipped upside down and, 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 and God is not with us and, 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 and victory is nowhere in sight. But notice it didn't take long. This man, this one man God called who's, who was in a wine press threshing wheat, called him brave man. God is with you. You know, 
I'm going to do a work in this people, a redemptive work in this people, but somebody's going to have to be my man to get out here and rip down the symbol of this false God worship that's going on and erect an altar in my name. Somebody's going to have to be the tip of the spear. Somebody's going to have to be the one that's on the front lines to start this, this, this sea change. Are you hearing me? And Gideon became that guy. And when the spirit of the Lord came upon him, he went from being one man that after he blew that trumpet, all of a sudden, as beer, at the, as, easy for me to say, that beer's rights, we're right behind him. An army is amassing behind him. I, I look at that in my mind. People who are looking for a leader that will restore the things of God that they can get behind, support, and advance with. Someone who is willing to take the heat. Someone who is willing to make the stand and, 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 and take that first step. If they can see that guy, they'll get behind him and, and walk with him and fight with him. Amen? And so he blew the trumpet. It doesn't even say, he didn't even say that he said, who's with me? He blew the trumpet. That trumpet let everybody know. And that beer's rights immediately. And what else? Let's see this again. Uh, then he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh. Manasseh gathered behind him. Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, they all came. So Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only and it is dry on all the ground around it, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only. But there was dew on all the ground. I'm not going to get into chapter 7. I'll stick right here. Because I really want to, uh, I don't want there to be a whole lot of overlap. I want to stick to the theme that I was talking about. Long story short, Gideon does lead God's people against the Midianites. But I will not give the spoiler alert as to who won that. Not this Sunday. If you want to know that, you're going to have to come back next Sunday. So that's how they do it in their TV shows, the teaser and everything. So, But I see almost this entire chapter from the moment that he encountered the Lord and how the Lord lovingly dealt with him knowing good and well there would be some objections, knowing that there would be some questions, there would be, he would need help from the Lord to help settle his heart on some things. You know, he felt like God wasn't with him, that God had abandoned him. Think about that. We talked about lying to ourselves earlier. He felt that, now, Jesus had not come in the body yet. This is thousands of years before that. But he felt like God abandoned him. Well, what did Jesus tell us? Tell, tell his disciples before he left, you know, uh, he, he told them he would not leave them or forsake them. He told him he would not leave us orphanless. He would not leave us orphans, right? So he will never leave us or forsake us. He will never abandon us, right? And so 
when you're in the heat of, of battle, when you are being squeezed and it feels like because a lot of stuff is happening that God has abandoned you, do not give in to that thinking because it is a lie. And y'all know one of my favorite passages is Psalm 139 and, you know, and, 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 and you know, the search me, O God, the last two verses I really love, but the whole Psalm I love because it says, where can I go that you're not with me? Where can I go from your presence? Okay. So, you know, so whether I am in heaven, whether I'm in the lowest parts of the earth, you know, I'm in shoal, whether I'm in the farthest reaches of the sea, no matter where I am, I can't go anywhere where you're not with me. And so we know from Old Testament and New Testament, if we are God's, you know, if we belong to him, he is not one to abandon his children. So we can't let the circumstances cause us to think any other way. All right? We're going to have to be settled on that issue. And so he, he lovingly confronts that with uh, Gideon. He says, if you're with us, then why are we going through this? And I addressed this last week. We knew why they were going through it. You know, they were probably crying out to God to remove the Midianites. But the reason they were put under the thumb of the Midianites is because they strayed away from God and began and disobeyed God and began to worship other gods. And he turned them over to the Midianites. But I love the fact that the Lord, the angel of the Lord, he doesn't spend time camping or parking there. When he's asked, well, how can I do this? Well, because I'll be with you. It's, it's just that simple. I don't need to give you a dissertation. I don't need to give an expansive response. All you need to know is that I am with you. And because I am with you, you can do that, which I'm asking you to do. And that gives to me, that would give me peace. That would be Jehovah Shalom speaking to me that this is, this doesn't all ride on you. This isn't about your ability or lack thereof. This is about your God and your willingness to trust him and obey him in what he's called you to do. Do you believe him to be trustworthy? Do you believe him to be faithful? Do you believe him to be all-powerful? Do you really believe that nothing is too hard for him? The God who has saved you from your sin and from eternal damnation, if he's powerful enough to do that, then surely he's powerful enough to, to call you, to lead you, and make possible for you to do what he's called you to do in this earth. Maybe there's some altars in your life that need to be torn down. I'm, I'm scanning. If I say that and I'm looking at you and I say it, don't take it personal. If I'm looking at you, it, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, I don't know of some secret that you need to confess right now. But maybe there are some altars. And like Gideon, the altar that was erected, that, that had a significant place in his life, was erected by his father. And I got lots of questions, but, you know, I've learned not to, not to waste God's time or mine trying to Ask those questions, but why would God call him instead of his father? His father erected it. His father should have been the one to tear it down, but that's not all, life doesn't always work out that way, right? 
There will be things that our parents may have done that have scarred us, that have impacted us, things that were not of God. And we're going to have to forgive them for those things, right? We're going to have to love them through those things. Because that's what God has commanded us to do. Love should cover a multitude of sins, right? And so we're going to have to walk in the love of God. We're going to have to love them. We're going to have to honor them. We're going to have to forgive them. And then we got to realize that, yeah, this may have been my past, but right here, right now, God is doing something in me that's going to turn the page on my past and, and make all things new for me right now, in this moment. God is, is, is calling me out for me to change, for me to partner with him in the changing of my destiny. I'm looking at every one of you here today. I don't know your past fully. God knows every jot and every tittle of your story. But I see all the faces of destiny. God-given destiny, God-given purpose. I'm looking at the faces of destiny right now. God has called each and every one of you to God-given purpose. Every one of you has great significance. Every one of you precious. There's not a mistake among you. There's not insignificance in any one of you. And like I said last week, you may be in the wine press threshing wheat right now. You may be wondering, God, why? What's the purpose in all this? What? 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 I don't get it. Why have you abandoned me? I hope Jehovah Shalom is giving you peace in your heart now that he has never abandoned you. Despite what it appeared, despite what you felt, he was right there in this situation with you. Even then. And young people, you don't have to wait till you grow up to do great things for God. David wouldn't have grown up when he slew Goliath. Mary wasn't a grown up when the angel of the Lord visited her and told her she was going to be the mother of Jesus. I honestly don't know and it's lack of uh, research on my part, I honestly don't know what Gideon's age is here. My thought is that he's not a grown-up, but I know he's a young man at the very least. Whether you're in uh, grade school, junior high, high school, college, whatever, I hope Gideon, the story of Gideon encourages you that you're not a slave to your past. You're not crippled by it. God can meet you. He's willing to meet you right where you're at. And, and what he's going to call you to do is he's going to call you to tear down those altars of the past, those things that were rooted in, in wrong belief, those things that are rooted in doubt, in fear, in self-condemnation, in feelings that God doesn't love you or that he's abandoned you or that he can't use you and all the things that we say to one another, uh, uh, the, the, the scars of the past that are, that are still triggering you today, when something happens and, and it takes you back to that moment where you felt helpless. And so when, when, you, when that happens, it triggers you in the current time and you feel helpless now. And you lock up and, and, and you feel like you can't do anything. There's an altar that needs to be torn down. 
an altar of past sins and an altar that's based on lies. And, and God would speak truth to you. It says, son of God, daughter of God, mighty man and woman of valor, I am with you. Take upon you my yoke. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. My peace I give to you. Concerning the issues of your past and the issues of your heart. My peace I give to you. And God will do whatever he needs to do to comfort you and give you peace. About who he is to you and what he's called you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to quote a scripture out of 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. It says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And whatever your, the altars of your past are, like I said, that you may not have erected them, maybe an authority figure in your life has. I would still say we should follow Gideon's example because Gideon humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. Yeah, he asked about the fleece and he did what needed to be done in order for him to get peace. And notice, God didn't complain. He did what Gideon asked him to do because he knew in Gideon's heart there was a desire to do what God wanted him to do, he just needed some personal confirmation that it was God who wanted him to do it and that it was the thing that God wanted him to do. And once he got peace about those two things, he was free to obey God, no matter how hard the calling was, no matter how hard he perceived it to be. He wanted to know, are you God? And am I hearing you right? Is this really what you want me to do? And I think that we need to simplify this, okay? Is, is God God? <laughs> do I know God? Is this God? And what God, and what I feel is being spoken to me, what I feel that I'm being called to, is this really what God is saying? And I believe if we humble ourselves and go to God with that, then, then, then Jehovah Shalom God is peace, will give us peace and confirm those things to us. So then when we can go in the peace of God in full faith that we're walking with God in this and that God is going to make it come to pass. Amen? He's got our backs in this. He's going to lead us and guide us. He's going to provide whatever is needed for it to be brought to pass. Amen? And we will give him the glory. Please bow your heads with me in prayer. Father God, we just thank you for speaking your word to us, Lord. And Father God, many of us are here today. Maybe we've been encountered by you today in our wine press. We've just been making do. We've just been making, doing the best that we can. given the limits of our circumstances. And Father, I thank you that you're speaking to us and you're expanding our horizons, you're expanding our perspective, that we're not just limited to our circumstance. That you're encountering us right now. You're at the proverbial terebinth tree in our lives. And you're presenting yourself to us. You're making yourself known. And you're speaking to us. And, 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 and you're giving us, you're giving us vision. You're giving us, you're spreading truth to us, Father God. You're giving us identity. 
You're giving us revelation that is contradicting the falsehoods that we have believed. Now, Father, I thank you you've been speaking this morning. Some people here may have felt like you've abandoned them, that you're not hearing their prayers. I thank you, God, that, you give, that you've, you, you've given them peace this morning, that you would never abandon them, that you're with them where they're at and that you are hearing their prayers. Some here today question whether they, are, they have any value whether you would even call them to do anything of significance. What, what they're doubting what they're able to contribute in the body of Christ and in this community in some way. And I thank you that you're speaking to them today, Lord. That you're awakening them to the reality of their identity in you and what they're capable of in you. And there may be those who have crossed those hurdles and they have some awareness of the call you have on them and what you're challenging them to do. But there may be some uncertainty as to whether or not they measure up, as to whether or not they'll be capable of carrying it out. I thank you that you are comforting them and giving them peace, Jehovah Shalom, giving them peace with the simple message that you can do it because I'm with you. Toss a fleece if you have to. But the two questions you need to answer, is it God who's speaking to me? And is what I am receiving, what I'm hearing, really what God is saying? If you're getting a yes to those two things, to those two questions. Then let the peace of God rest on you. Because God will exalt you in due time. You can cast all your care upon him. Because he cares for you. And he who has begun a good work in you will most surely complete it. Father, we just thank you for this. In Jesus' name, be exalted in us, O oh God. Father, I pray your blessing and the rest of this holiday weekend upon all your people, Father God, those here present, those watching via Facebook, Lord, and those who are enjoying themselves and in and, and various ways, Father God, who are traveling. May their travels be safe and bring them home safely, Father God. And, and may they have impact for the kingdom wherever they're at and whatever they do. And so... And so we just thank you for it, Father God, and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you.